Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. If you haven't listened before, I'm CJ, your host. And today we are talking about animal care and maintenance in regards to planning out your year and planning um, how you're going to tackle the things that you need to manage as far as their health. And, and animal care and maintenance, I mean, everything about it comes down to health at the end of the day. If you've got healthy animals, then you know, the, the maintenance side of it is easy. <laughs> it's um, Usually it's the ones where you've got to bring them back from the, the point of doom that, that cause the most grief. So obviously, if you can keep them as healthy as possible, then that, you know, that's going to help you both in the hip pocket and also in stress and worry and time and effort. Uh, before we start talking about though, I've got a couple of things I want to cover. Um, one is that don't forget we've got backyard chicken keeping course coming up in February. If you are not part of my email list, I send out a, a newsletter each um, Monday morning and at the same time that the podcast is released. Um, if you're not part of my newsletter list, jump on. It costs nothing. Um, I'd love to have you as part of my tribe. Um, and I, I feel like those people that are on there that are opening up my my newsletters each week, um, I feel like they you know, get a lot more out of what I'm kind of trying to put out there as far as chicken care and goat care and beekeeping, things like that. Um, so if you're not on that, go to www.mojohomestead.net uh, backslash. I want to say it's I'm sure it's the backslash. It's probably the forward slash. I always get them confused. Seven must knows. That's a number seven must knows. And you get a little guide for how to look after backyard chickens, what you need to think about before you get them. Um, There's also, if you don't want that one, there's also a beekeeping one on there somewhere too. Um, Beekeeping 101, I think, is is the the little link at the end instead of seven must knows. Uh, Now, I am planning a webinar as part of my chicken keeping course launch. Um, but I want to hear from you guys. Would you rather a webinar about chicken breeds, which is what I've done in the past, and I have a fairly good knowledge of chicken breeds. Um, I've had quite a few different um, breeds of chickens that I've had personally. Uh, or would you like me to do a webinar about coop design? Because a lot of people have asked me, especially in regards to backyard chicken keeping, about what type of coop they can have for their backyard. And you know, what fits, what works, how it works, what they need to think about. So I'm happy to do that as well because I've had small chicken coops and I've had big chicken coops and I think I've got a pretty good handle on most of them. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was if you are in the market for, and probably not for us Southern Hemisphere people, but for my Northern Hemisphere listeners, um, I have a online store that sells um, clothing and also um, car accessories and kitchen accessories you know home decor for for farmhouse kind of situations uh and it's notthefarmerswife.com so if you go to notthefarmerswife.com if you're in the market for a new set of car seat covers for your truck or if you're just driving a non-truck like me 
<laughs> the, the car that gets used like a truck it's currently full of hay in the back <laughs> um go and have a look at the car seat covers i think I'm kind of pretty proud of them considering I am definitely not a graphic designer so to any of my listeners out there that are graphic designers I apologize in advance remember I'm not a graphic designer but I do like designing and I like designing things that I like that are homesteady type things so I've got aprons car seat covers I've got hooded snuggle blankets I'm just doing a couple of um, doona or duvet covers and uh, also t-shirts and hoodies and things like that so go on and check that out if you're interested in getting yourself a hooded snuggle blanket maybe for my northern hemisphere listeners or car seat covers or an apron for my southern hemisphere listeners I mean you can you can buy the other and just keep it till the next season <laughs> anyway go and have a look and let me know what you think uh, also too and I know that this is on the my little tag at the end but I don't ask Uh, my listeners very often for a review in fact I don't think I've ever asked you guys for a review but I would really really appreciate it if you've been listening for some time and you're getting some value out of this or you just like you know hearing the things that I'm talking about if you could leave a review on whatever system you listen to your podcast on I would very much appreciate it I don't have any reviews at the moment and I would love a review even one would be better than none (laughs) anyway enough of all that shit next animal care and maintenance so we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks um, having a calendar and on the calendar having a list of things that need to be done at certain times of the year so that you don't miss them so that your maintenance routine so that your care routine can be a bit easier managed and you don't have to stress about it I have supposedly have ADHD I don't know how much faith I put in doctor's diagnosis of that but I do tend to have 50 million topics bouncing in my head at any one time I described it somebody to somebody once as having like 50 tabs open on your computer there's music playing from somewhere there's a pinging happening in the background and you have no idea which page it's coming from that's what my brain is like some days so for me if it's not written down if it's not scheduled it sometimes doesn't happen and I think I don't think that somebody with ADHD is alone in that respect. I think there's a thing called rushing woman syndrome uh, where women who try and do too much, like a full-time job, raising children, running a farm, sound familiar, Um, where women, and I'm sure there's men out there that would have rushing men syndrome as well, but I know definitely a lot of women I know have got way more plates in the air than what they should have. And so I think it is common Uh, in this day and age for us to um, forget things and things get left behind I mean yeah bills don't always get paid on time I'm the first to admit that I have a lot of things set up as prepayment kind of situations because I I forget things so because of that I like to have a calendar and I like to have alerts reminding me of things So, for example, even with my home business, on the first of every month, I have a little alert that comes up off my calendar that says, hey, go check your metrics for the month so that I know whether or not I've got new listeners, whether I've got new followers, whether I know that I'm hitting the goals that I set for the beginning of the year to increase, you know, the people that I'm reaching out to through the through the next 12 months. Um, If those alerts aren't in there, I just tend to forget. So I set up a lot of alerts 
um, to remind me for things like shearing, um, for things like drenching or worming, for things like vaccinations. And I hate to say it, but sometimes I uh, the reminder comes up and I set it for another week's time and put it off for a week. But at least it's still there. At least I know it's still hitting me in the face. It's still tapping me on the back of the head going, hey, Cass, don't forget you have got to get this shit sorted. At the moment, I've got two dogs that are due for vaccinations, which I have to take them into the vet for. I can't do the vaccination myself. Um, taking Luna, the Merrimer, into the vet is always, it's always a bit of a saga. If you could just picture a big white dog, and when I say big, she's not heavy, but she's tall. So when she stands on her hind legs, she looks the handy helper in the eyes. And he's six foot tall. So or he says he's 5'11", but he's pretty close to six foot. She looks him in the eyes. She is long. <laughs> and when she's fluffy, when she's not having her molt, which is twice a year for about four months of each, each molt, uh, when she's not having a molt, she is quite slim. When she's had a molt, she's quite slim. But beforehand, she looks huge. She looks like a great Pyrenees, but she's Merrima. But she's got that bulkiness about her because of the double coat. So we have to take her in in a harness as well as a choker on her collar. We have to muzzle her and we carry a spare muzzle because she has broken muzzles in the past. Um, she does not like leaving the farm. The farm is her home and at, true to her breed, she does not like being away from it. So going into the vet is a real challenge. Uh, the handy helper and I both have to go in together because it takes two of us to get her in there. It takes two of us to keep her calm enough. We can't turn our back on her. Um, she has nipped the vet in the past and that's why she's muzzled when she goes in because we don't want that to happen again. Um, but she's, she's also broken a muzzle um, in her snappiness to not have an injection and I think the last time we went in the vet looked at her and said all right Luna we have to check your temperature and he went to lift her tail up and her top lip came up and her teeth bared and she did this low grrr and the vet looked at me and looked at her and looked at the handy helper and said how about we just say her temperature's fine <laughs> I think he was more worried about how she was going to react than we were but it probably wouldn't have been pleasant Anyway, so I have my calendar, I have my reminders. I would recommend you do that. If you don't have a calendar, if you jump on my uh, email list uh, on my newsletter all this month, I am sending out a Canva blank calendar that's exactly the same as the one I use uh, that you can put all your things in and you can print it up, laminate it, whack it on the fridge and it's there staring you in the face every day. So first of all, shearing and grooming. So we have Angora goats, but some of you might have sheep, you might have alpacas, llamas, something else that needs shearing. So I always find it really good to put in shearing first. So in our case, we have March and September are our shearing months. Now it doesn't, I don't have a specific date necessarily. I just know that I get an alert towards the end of February that says, hey, ring up the shearer and make a booking. And same again at the end of um, August, reminding me that it's time to contact the shearer and make a booking. We have an awesome shearer that comes out to our property. Uh, we only have eight um, Angoras. So he comes out to our property. He has a shearing set up on the back of a tra trailer and it actually has a flip out bed. So the, the platform folds out off the top of the, um, off the, top of the trailer 
And then from that, he's got a generator so he can do it completely off grid, which is why I love getting him to do it. We don't have to worry about hooking him up to power and you know all that kind of crap. So he has a generator. It's set up on the back of his car. Um, he's got his shearing equipment. It's a big pole that it hangs from. Um, and he's got all his prop equipment there. So he, he he's a professional shearer. He knows exactly what he's doing. I have tried to shear. And um, to anybody who might be interested in shearing themselves be very careful that's all I can say on that one I will say that I have shorn our tamest goat um, I tried to do it I bought myself a set of electric shears and it was probably $140 wasted off eBay um, I tried to shear Elmo who's one of our little weathers who's very very tame and I sliced him open and it was a bad slice like it probably could have done with a stitch we taped him up we blue sprayed him and he healed up just fine but it, it was touch and go I looked and went god I probably should take him into the vet and get it stitched up but I'm also led to believe that even professional shearers sometimes slice a, a sheep every now and again usually it is not deep enough and not significant enough to warrant stitches uh, but I always keep the blue spray on hand just in case one of the goats gets a bit crazy and he accidentally slices them so far so good he's only ever we've got one that has very very thin papery skin and that's the only one that he's ever skinned like as in just nicked and we had a bit of blood but otherwise he does a fantastic job um, he does it in probably uh, it takes me about 45 minutes to do one goat. Um, he, it takes him about an hour and 20 minutes to do eight. So I'll let you work that out. It's, he's very, very quick. Uh, but uh, for different animals, there's different things. So for sheep and, and goats, it's pretty easy. Most shearers have the same method for sheep and goats. They're about the same size. Physically, it's the same process. And for anybody that hasn't seen a sheep get shorn or a goat get shorn um, it, it does look a little bit rough to start with but the shearers know exactly what they're doing and they angle the animal in a way that it pulls the skin tight so there's less chance of them uh, nicking the skin but they also do it in a way where they can control the animal and still have both hands free so sometimes it looks like they've got them all twisted up and heads under legs and things like that um, but the way that they do it is it, like there's a method behind it and once you watch them do it a few times you go wow that is so clever how they do it um, alpacas and llamas my understanding is they're a little bit trickier and they usually require a platform that's kind of like a milking bale that tilts over to the side and holds them down um, because they are just too big for shearers to get a hold of them and, and kind of restrain them in that way that they do sheep and goats but they get in, they shear them. So we get them shorn once every six months. Um, and when they shear them, I am there and I'm collecting all the wool as he goes. So it comes off in big, you know, like normal shearers, it comes off in a big strip of hair. There's a few little loose bits, but for the most part, there is a big chunk, like a big mat of hair that comes off in one go. So I have a bag ready to go. Usually one of the Handy Helper's old um, green waste bags. I have one of those ready to go and I bundle everything into there. Now, the last couple of times we've shown, we've had terrible problems with weeds in the paddock. So that's one thing you do need to consider is when you're doing this, you want to have um, the grass down in the paddock where there's not burrs get it, that it can get into the hair. This year, I'm going to try a routine of um, brushing and conditioning the hair before, like about two weeks before the shear is due to come to try and get rid of burrs because it's much easier to get rid of the burrs on the animal than it is off the animal 
Um, getting rid of the burrs when you're trying to wash wool is a pain in the ass. Um, I've done it a couple of times and it's just hard work. It's, I mean, there's machine methods of washing wool. I do it by hand and because I don't have that equipment. And it's really, really hard work. You end up with burrs and little thistles all through your hands. It's a nightmare, even with gloves on. Can I just say that? So scheduling your grooming and your shearing. Um, so you know, your grooming, say, mid-February if, you, if you're shearing in March and then again mid-August and try and get the, the hair nice and clean before the shearing is due to be done. Um, now, what you do with the wool afterwards is entirely up to you. If you're like me and trying to earn a little bit of an income off your homestead, then you could um, sell raw wool just as is for somebody else to, to wash and, and do things with. And if there's local spinners club in the area, uh, spinners and weavers, they generally will be looking for somebody who can supply good quality, but um, they like some of them some of the ladies like the raw wool because they like the whole process of carding and cleaning and all that kind of thing if you want to be able to mark the price up a little bit then I would suggest you to learn how to wash and spin your own wool and I am still learning I am <laughs> I feel terrible saying this but um, MJ my daughter actually spins better than I do after like two goes with my mother she was doing it with no problems I have never mastered it in the way that she has mastered it but I am okay at it but it's still a bit lumpy um, but it's something that I want to learn to do because I obviously would like to be able to make my own uh, wool out of it and I see that as something that could be done while I'm sitting there watching TV I could be sitting there spinning at the same time so you can sell it in small batches to certain, there's certain places around, certainly in Australia, um, in New South Wales, I know there's a place out at Cowra, I think it's Cowra, who um, will buy small batch wool. Um, I actually saw a place the other day, and I can't think where I was driving, but it was somewhere in Canberra. Or No, sorry, yes, it was out at Yes. And I saw a, a shed and they had small batch wool purchases which I've never noticed before so I might have to hit them up and go and speak to them for next time uh, so that I can sell some of it um, so that's that's shearing and grooming now in regards to uh, if you're doing it yourself uh, you can hand shear instead of electric shear and electric shearing is what I tried on our tame one that, where it didn't really work because I sliced in because I didn't know what I was doing properly and you know shearing is a real art but I have hand sheared um, uh, one of our goats uh, so princess Kate when she had her baby unexpectedly she kidded and I didn't even know she was pregnant I yeah there was that's poor planning on my part can I just say that she I knew she was there was a chance she was pregnant and I went down to check her and sure enough she was in the middle of kidding and so the poor kid couldn't get anywhere near her udder because I also timed the shearing so that it is a month or two before they're due to kid um, because you want to be able to shear them when they're not heavily pregnant because that could be distressing and could be a bit hard on the body of the, the nanny. Uh, but also too, if they're shorn, it makes it so much easier for the kid to be able to find the teat and get in there and you know do what he's got to do or she's got to do. Um, so I try and time it around that. So I have hand shorn uh, Princess Kate before. Like I say, it took me about 45 minutes. I thought I did a reasonable job. <laughs> the shearer didn't seem to think so. He came out and said, oh, would you like me to do that one as well? And I was like, I did her like a month ago. And he's like, yeah, would you like me to do that one as well? 
<laughs> she still had tufts of hair hanging off her. So it, it is hard to do, but with a good sharp set of um, clippers or shearers, and you, you could use shearers, you could use clippers that you would use for a horse even, and that would probably be uh, better. If you only have one or two animals, that would probably be better than trying to find a shearer because shearers do, I mean, for them, it's a, a numbers game. And, you know, we found this guy that does small numbers because he's just got his own little one-up kind of thing and we pay him cash. I don't care what he does with it. Um, but he's he, he'll come out and do a small batch, but it's hard to find a shearer that will do a small batch. But one thing I will say about the equipment is whatever equipment you use, make sure it's clean. If you nip a goat or a, or a sheep with a pair of clippers that are not clean, that have got rust on them or anything like that, if they are not up to date with their vaccinations, you need to go into the vet and get a tetanus shot for them. Um, we have had, both Henny Helper and I have had to go in and have tetanus shots in the last couple of years where we've cut ourselves on bits of metal around the farm. And being up to date with your tetanus is so, so important because it can come on so quickly. Same for animals. And you don't want to lose an animal just because you didn't have clean equipment. So make sure anything you've got sharp that's around them. So that includes the um, uh, clippers for their um, hooves. Um, make sure that they're clean. Make sure you've sterilized and wiped them down with disinfectant so that there's no chance of any kind of nasty bugs staying on the metal. So... The next one is about grooming for health. Just let me have a little slurp of my iced coffee that I'm sitting here sucking on. For those that don't know, I'm currently doing carnival month. And uh, so I can drink as much milk as I want, but I can't drink other things like soft drink. Oh, I'm having soda water, but I can't have any flavoring in it. <laughs> so iced coffee, homemade, lovely, yum. Especially given it's so hot and I've got the fan in the background, which I hope nobody can hear. Anyway, grooming felt. One of the things that is really important about doing the shearing and also with other animals going through and grooming them at set times of the year. And what I do is I set down that time to do to brush I brush out the cows, I brush out the horses, and I brush out the merima who's double coated and needs to be she molts twice a year, so needs to be completely brushed out, otherwise they will get matted hair, and matted hair is a nightmare on a merima. So it's really important as soon as you see that hair starting to loosen up that you get out there every other week at least and give them a really good brush. And you'll get enough out. You could I keep joking and saying I'm gonna spin the dog hair because I get enough to do it, and it's beautiful and white and it's obviously water resistant as well. So um, anyway, so the thing that I like about doing the grooming for health is that I do it at set times of the year and that's a really good time for me to completely check the animals. So I'm going over them, I'm checking for parasites, I'm checking for skin conditions that may have come up, I'm checking for lameness in their feet. So I will go through, when I groom them, I'll go through and do um, uh, nail clipping. So nail clipping for the dog, hoof clipping for the, for the goats and the sheep. Luckily, the one sheep we have, we've never had to clip her feet. Her feet have always kept themselves pretty neat. Uh, the horses, I don't file their feet. I get a farrier in, and I only get a farrier in about once every six months because mine are not shod. They are barefoot, so I only get a farrier in to trim up and file and kind of shape them to keep them in good nick. But he also can have a look at them then and see if there's any problems with their hooves uh, because if there's any problems, we can uh, pick it up at the time. So those kinds of inspections just make it so much easier. Um, prevention is so much easier than the cure. And if you can get something super early, then that is the time to do it. 
So I go through and I check, although all our mammal animals um, get checked in that respect, they get brushed, they get their feet done. I also check their teeth at the same time, um, particularly for the horses, because horses do need their teeth um, filed occasionally. But for the dogs also, I check and make sure that their teeth are doing okay and we're not getting a buildup of plaque or data or, or cal yeah, the calcified kind of lumps they get around their teeth. Just give them a quick brush if that's the case. The dogs don't particularly like it, but they're going to like it a lot more than having a tooth pulled. Um, at that time, if the horses need any hair trimming, which we don't rug our horses. Well, I probably will rug them next year. Grandma's getting a bit old and she's she's really feeling the cold a bit. She felt it a bit this year, so I'll probably will rug them next year. Uh, but if they need clipping or hair needs trimming, that's the time to do it. When I get the cows in, I check them for lice. Now, we're very lucky. We only have two cows here at the moment and, and they're not, they don't have a lice issue at the moment. But I check them anyway. And I think it's important that, you know, every six months or so you get them in. Uh, if you had more animals, I would say every three to four months. But at the moment, I just do that, that really grooming for health check. I do every six months. So the, the cows get checked for lice. The um, goats, when they get shorn, they get a lice treatment um, because the angoras do tend to have lice. And at the same time, I do my milking goats as a lice treatment as well because they can get lice so bad that it can really affect her health. Um, the merima gets brushed and she gets checked for fleas and lice. She's never had a problem in the past. Uh, same with the kelpie. She's never had a problem. We just don't have fleas out here. I don't know how we, we don't. I think it's because the, the dogs don't go near other dogs. And because we've never had an issue with it, it's just never kind of come back up. Uh, but I also do my chickens at the same time. So around that time, I will go and delouse all the chickens. Now, delousing the chickens is probably my least favourite job with the chickens. It's I get covered in white powder. I feel like I itch for a week afterwards, even if they don't have lice. It's just a mental thing. It's like when your kids have got nits and suddenly you walk around the house scratching your head all day. Um, when I've deloused the chickens, I feel like I'm crawling, even though, even if they've not had a louse problem. But every six months, I give them a dusting of lice powder and we make sure that we give their coop a massive clean out and we we get um, disinfectant, just normal um, you know, kitchen disinfectant. Uh, but I mix a bit of vinegar with it too and we push that through all of their nesting boxes, clean out all their nesting boxes and their um, roosting poles and all of their thing. We clean out all the poop from there and then we hose it out with disinfectant to keep it nice and clean. And the last one I do on that six month checks is my bees. And you might think, well, what the friggin' hell could you be doing with bees to, as far as delousing? Um, in here in Australia, we have hive beetle. So we reset the hive beetle traps, clean them out, put new ones in if they're a bit ratty around the edges and make sure that the hive beetle's not getting too invasive in the nest. Uh, and now, courtesy of our Varroa mite incursion, I will now be incorporating a Varroa mite check in that check as well. I think I'm supposed to do my Varroa mite check every 16 weeks, but uh, even if I can do it every uh, three or four months, um, that would be enough, I think, to, to, well, four months would be every 16 weeks. So there you go. I, if I did every four months, they'd be happy. But six months is still, to incorporate it in that amount of time is still better than nothing. So the next one is the veterinary care and preventive measures. Now, we don't get the vet out to the farm, although I am planning it. I'm going to negotiate it with him um, probably in this next couple of months coming up. I want to get him out. I want him to run um, 
to do all my vaccinations for me because normally I would do them myself and I'll discuss vaccinations in a second but I would I'm now going to I think I'm just going to get him out here and it'll probably cost me a thousand bucks but to get him out here to do the vaccinations and do a quick routine health check on on the animals particularly my animals that are worth a lot to me like my buck Rocky I would like him to get checked by the vet um, my cow that I'm getting into calf in this month um, I would like him to check her also and the other ca- little calf that's with her because they'll both be getting pregnant this month uh, my milking goats I would like them tested for Jones disease or John's Jones disease which is a disease we have here in Australia that there is no cure for you can they can be vaccinated if they've not been exposed to it but that has to be done via a blood test to check that so I'm going to try and get him to do those uh, and obviously dental checks and I want him to have a look at Luna or Merima because we're looking at getting her into pup hopefully this year I'm going to try and find a Merima and if anybody knows a Merima male dog uh, that's purebred um, I don't want anything that's crossbred I want a purebred so because she's purebred so um, I want to try and get a uh, boy to go across her and get her a kid because I think she'd make an awesome mother uh, she's so good with the goats and the chickens I think she'd be a really good mum uh, so I'm going to try and do that this year but obviously um, your preventative measures are key to all that now uh, in regards to the vet coming out that's a really good opportunity to do some record keeping too now at the moment I just keep a, um, a spreadsheet on my computer that I have a list of all the animals on the farm I have a list of when they've been vaccinated when they've been wormed when they've gone to the buck or the bull or, or you know had any kidding issues all of that is recorded um, on there so that I can go back and look. I've also got all my hives listed on there and when they're due for requeening, when they're due for their hive beetle checks and their varroa mite checks now as well. Also, how much honey we get out. So I record all of that on the same spreadsheet and I just have literally goats, horses, cows, bees, chickens, all listed on tabs across the bottom and each one has a list of the animals. Now, obviously with chickens, we've got too many too many to name, but... Um, the ones that are named are on there and the rest are you know ginger one two three four etc um one day i'll get around to naming them i'm sure i'll find names for them all um so preventative measures when you're talking to your vet you need to discuss what kinds of vaccinations you want to look at so for cows there's you have a choice of a five in one or a seven in one and that will depend on where you live and what diseases are really prevalent in your area um, things like leptospirosis which I know is a problem here in Australia um, is certainly one that needs to be uh, looked at tetanus is obviously the big one uh, pulpy kidney disease is another one for us here in Australia uh, what else have I got here black disease I've never heard of black disease I probably need to read up on that but yeah that can that's evidently one of our five-in-one and also our seven-in-one so it must be a big deal for goats, again, black disease, black leg, malignant edema, pulpy kidney and tetanus. Uh, so it's a five in one for goats and it's the same for sheep. Um, for horses, it's completely different, but um, horses, I, I actually haven't worried too much. And one thing I will say about the vaccinations is, well, it is good to have those things. If your animals aren't leaving your property, ever, ever leaving your property, and if you're not bringing new animals onto your property, then if you are not... Um, keen on the idea of massive vaccinations you can probably get away with it if you do all the other things 
So it's no good saying, well, I'm not going to vaccinate and I'm not going to paddock rotate and I'm not going to worm because I don't agree with it. It's no good doing that. You'll end up with dead animals. And that's there's no other way of putting that. So if you're offended by that, I'm sorry, not sorry. Um, you need to make a decision whether you're going to vaccinate and whether you're going to worm. And if you are, you need to find a schedule that's going to work for you. If you don't want to be doing it all the time or if you really want to avoid it as much as possible, speak to your vet because he or she will be able to tell you what is the absolute must, like tetanus. I mean, tetanus to me is a no-brainer. Um, animals cut themselves. Animals cut themselves all the time and there is metal fences and bits of metal sitting around everywhere and they, they will get tetanus and they will die from tetanus. So it's a no-brainer to have a tetanus injection. I have a tetanus injection regularly. My animals are the same as me in my book. I have to look after them in that respect. Now, for those that are a little bit against vaccinations, as I said, if you've not got animals coming onto your property and you've not got um, animals leaving your property, then vaccinations aren't necessarily, and this is not medical advice, but you could probably get away with not doing the same schedule that everybody else is doing. I would still say, speak to your vet, because I'm not a vet, I'm not a vet nurse. I'm just speaking from experience. There have been times when I've let the vaccination program slip and then I end up with a sick or dead animal. So definitely get advice if you want to avoid that. But if you're going to do that, one of the things you really need to keep in mind is biosecurity is vital. Do not let people bring animals onto your farm. If you are not planning on vaccinating and not planning on, on sticking to a worming schedule, do not have other animals coming in because you don't know where they've been and what they've been exposed to. When we got Rocky from uh, the breeder up in Rockhampton, he came with a health check that cleared him of everything. He had blood tests to be cleared of everything that he could have had. He was up to date with his vaccinations. He was up to date with his worming schedule. And, and I knew that bringing him onto the property was a risk. So he came onto the property and he was segregated from all the other animals until we knew that, the, that he'd picked up nothing in transit on the trip down here because there was always that too you know he could have left the property in perfect health and perfect condition with all those health checks because the breeder did the right thing and then put into a cage to come down in a truck and been exposed to something within that you know small time frame uh, when I moved to PNG many years ago I took a dog with me to PNG Blackie my my little he was a little bit had a little bit dingo in him and he went over to PNG with me. Now, um, I knew that he would probably pass away in PNG and wouldn't come back because he was an older dog, but I didn't want to leave him here in Australia. And he caught kennel cough, despite being vaccinated against it or having the, the shots against it. Uh, he caught kennel cough in transit in the plane. So, <laughs> you know, you can do everything and they can still be exposed to it. But if you're planning on doing that, definitely get some advice from your vet and say, what, what's the absolutes we cannot avoid? What are the things that we can, you know, without allowing other, any, any other animals onto the property, what can we avoid? Uh, but definitely the, the five-in-ones or the seven-in-ones. And you can give those injections yourself. So you don't necessarily need to have a vet come out. You can buy those at the produce shop and do the injection yourself if you're comfortable doing that. And certainly that's what I've done in the past. Um, I have no problems giving an injection. It's a little needle and yeah, it's in and out. If you do it quick, they don't even know. Give them a little bit of feed afterwards. They're happy as Larry. Now, one thing I did want to point out because I had an argument with somebody online just the other day about this is in relation to COVID and animals. 
um, this guy tried to tell all of us, it was on a carnival page, tried to tell us that beef cattle in Australia have been receiving mRNA vaccines um, in order to be sold to the abattoirs. And most of us that were on there were like, nah, I don't think so. And there was a couple of us like me who are farmers. And we were like, uh, I don't know where you got your information from, but no, um, the sale yards aren't telling us that we've got to do that. And certainly my vet hasn't said anything about it. And none of my neighbours have, have said it. And I've got a couple of neighbours who never had the COVID vaccine and were never intending to. I mean, I had to have it for work, uh, but I probably wouldn't have had it if, if I hadn't had to have it because reasonably healthy. I didn't think there was a problem. Anyway, I went and checked it out after this guy saying it. I thought, no, I've got to go check this out. So can I just state, currently there are no mRNA vaccines authorised for use in animals in Australia and the Australian government is not advocating to vaccinate livestock with mRNA vaccines. Final. They're not getting vaccinated with it. So you don't have to worry about your meat having a COVID jab because it's not happening. So next is your deworming and parasite control. Obviously, we spoke about after animals have had that grooming process, either by shearing or the grooming check, uh, that you look at parasite control. So check the animal. If it needs treatment for parasite, go ahead and treat it. If it's an external parasite, you can see them. That's the good bit. You can see if there's an external parasite. Internal parasites, a little bit harder. Now, there's lots of herbal supplements and things like that out on the market that claim to be natural worming. But I have to be honest, I've tried a few of them and nothing cuts it like a chemical wormer. And, and as much as I wish that that was not the case, unfortunately that is the case. The only other way to get around you know, regular kind of worming where you're worming a lot is rotational grazing. And that's what we're trying to achieve here is having that rotational grazing where the animals aren't in the same paddock all the time. They're moving all the time. We've got the chickens coming in after them particularly in my milking paddock, I've got the chickens behind them, so that the chickens are then dispatching any kind of bugs or anything that's in the in the poop that's in the paddock. Um, now, rotational grazing works, uh, like, works amazingly. It's the best practice you can do if you want to cut down your worming regime. However, that all being said, there are a couple of things that you need to keep in mind. One is, and sorry about the bird in the background, he suddenly decided to screech at outside birds. Um, one of them is barber's pole worm. We have no option on barber's pole worm. We have it here. It's horrible. It has killed two of my goats previously. If they have barber's pole worm, you have to treat with a chemical treatment. There is, there's no way of getting rid of that. The, the worm will actually kill the animal. So if you're in a barber's pole worm area, uh, you really need to uh, speak to your vet about what is the best treatment. With milking goats, it's really tricky because you have to go off-label to worm them properly against barber's pole worm. And that advice came directly from my vet, and he directed me to go off-label to worm the milking goats. Um, we did it in such a way that it was when they were... Uh, pregnant or just pregnant so they weren't milking I wasn't we weren't consuming any of their product at that time anyway get definitely get yourself some medical advice from the vet if you think you have a barber's pole worm problem it's really hard to eradicate if it's in your paddock you need to rest the paddock and it needs to be rested during the hottest part of the year so that's what we're trying to do at the moment we're trying to rest that paddock as much as we can unfortunately all the housing and infrastructure is off that paddock so it makes it a little bit hard but we're trying to get around it 
Uh, so herbal supplements will not work with barber's pole worm. They might work with other worms, but I've not had much luck with them. Um, but the main thing is rotational grazing. If you can rotate the animals through certain paddocks so they're not grazing on their own shit and therefore not grazing on their own internal parasites, that's the best alternative. Uh, the other thing that you need to be um, considering when you're putting down worming times is worming around kidding. So we worm about six weeks before the girls are due to kid. Um, and that's just to keep them in that really peak health when they're going into that kidding phase. Um, a weak animal kidding is never a great situation. You want that, um, you want your nanny to be as strong as possible. And same with the cows. You want them to be as strong and fit and healthy as possible with their immune system intact and working really well. Um, just because there's so many other things that can go wrong at that time of year. But with, um, with the goats particularly, and I think it's the same with sheep, what you do have to be mindful of is worm bloom. Now, worm bloom happens usually within the two to three, four days after they've kitted. And what it is, is that their immune system has suddenly, like they've been, they've been hanging in there with their immune system because they've got a baby on board, their body's fighting everything, it's doing everything it can. And then all of a sudden, their immune system takes a massive dump and a dive when they have the kid. And, and any worms that were being held at bay by this, you know, super kind of strength that the goats are doing, any worms that were being held at bay at that time are suddenly allowed to breed and eat and, and do everything that they do like crazy. So if you notice that your nanny goes downhill within that two to four days after kidding, wormer. Just get in a wormer, whatever you've got, give it to her um, and, and keep her segregated while she's dumping those worms out of her system make sure you keep the paddock or area that she's in if she's in a kidding store still make sure you keep it clean make sure you keep the food out of the the bedding i hated it i had it last year <laughs> poor old lucy got worm bloom really really bad and then hazel got it but she didn't get it till about the six weeks after and then she took a dive with her weight and i think that was barbara's pole worm for her so i think it really knocked her for six so that's what you need to put on your calendar for managing them as far as maintenance and like i said at the beginning um yeah prevention is better than the cure by every every stretch both financially time wise stress level wise if you can keep them healthy and keep them happy uh then the chances of you and and do that regular maintenance if you can schedule that in and really stick to it and don't you know mute the alert when it comes up on your calendar like i do um, then you'll find that you don't have problems and you're not constantly having to take animals to the vet. And that is going to save you so much money. We joke that every time we go to the vet now, it's a $1,000 vet visit. Um, and it feels like that. It really does feel like that. Um, but, you know, obviously, the less you have to take animals to the vet, the better for you across the board. Um, the animals are happier. You'll be less stressed and your bank account will definitely say thank you so that's pretty much it for this week now next week i'm thinking of inviting the handy helper on because we're going to talk about farm equipment and maintenance and scheduling that kind of stuff in and even though i'm half handy with equipment and tools and things like that uh the handy helper is an ex-diesel mechanic and he's a lot handier than i am with that kind of shit anyway so hopefully I'll have you next week. I'm also hoping to have a special guest in the next month. 
uh, who's a lady that I admire from afar online. She lives in Canada, so we're just trying to schedule uh, times because of the time difference. But if I can get her on board to have a chat, that will be absolutely awesome. She uh, She's um, got some fantastic things that she does in the um, regenerative agricultural movement, and she is very much um, a omnivore. I'll say that. She's an omnivore, and she does not advocate not eating meat or animal products. She is very much in favour of eating animal meat and uh, animal products. So very dear to my heart subject. Anyway, hopefully uh, in the next couple of weeks we'll hear from her. That's it for me this week. Uh, don't forget to, to jump on board and get your download for the Backyard Chicken Keeping and get yourself on the newsletter list. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya. See ya.